0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our Father, we're grateful that in your mercies you've brought us together today. You are your kind. Um, You meet us in our weakness. You uh, refresh our souls here together in church. And I pray that in this conversation today that you will be glorified and that we would be encouraged and strengthened and hopeful about our our children and our families. Um, it's it's beyond our control, and and for those of us who want to control things, you're me included. Uh, that is especially challenging. So I pray that you'll bless us today in Jesus' name, Amen. So um, I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then what i thought we would do is let just be a little bit more kind of free flowing um and so Naomi and i will do q and a kind of together um if if that's okay and um so w- so start thinking whatever questions you have that we can go ahead and, pr- and i'll prepare you for our, our answers they will most likely be we don't know but but you ask <laughs> you ask whatever you want to ask and we'll and we'll play that game for about 10 minutes i don't know we we're, we're trying um let me let me say uh, um, Cameron texted me a couple weeks ago three weeks ago, asking about this class and and in his text he he said something he, he wanted this class to focus on um, shaping our children in, in the direction of church uh, and and wanting to, and wanting to see church as as sort of central to the culture of our lives but the title of the class says a worshipful life. That, that's going to have to be a little bit more more fully orbed than just church. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I think these things relate to one another, um, and, and, I, and and let me say this as well. You can tell I, I hate I, I do not like doing these things. Um, I mean I'm just being really frank with you. We've got four children that are still in the house. I, I call them four um, falsifiers to everything that we value, you know, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, there, that's why I saw, um, I saw some folks in the hall, Craig and Julie Ogart, all their children are out. I'm like, you should be teaching this class. I mean, we're, um, we're, we're in the deep end of the pool, treading water. And we genuinely feel that way. I mean, Liam and I were talking about that. We, we really feel like we are treading water with that, this. We have four children, um, for those of you who don't know, we didn't family plan very well. One too many, just to be honest. Um, we have a, a, a 17, I'm joking about, a 17 year old boy, a, f- a 14 year old, um, an 11 year old who's about to be 12, three boys, and then we had a little girl. Um, so that's, that's the dynamic of our home. And I, I will, I mean, this, this is why I don't like doing this, and I don't want to project this on you, but when it comes to our children's spiritual health and life, and Naomi and I talk about this every single day, um, we, we feel um, our failures acutely um, and, and feel the frustration of wondering, like, are we doing enough? Are we not, I mean, just, so we, this, this is not a set of principles that I think you just put into autopilot. I wish life was that way. These are not a set of principles I think that you put on autopilot. Get the plane to about 30,000 feet and then it levels off. It's, it's a constant adjustment. And someone a friend of mine um, who has a couple of children as well, um, told me one time we were in the middle of some sort of family dynamic, and I was seeking counsel from him, and he said, "Just remember, Mark, that parenting is a transatlantic flight. I love I mean this has been such a helpful metaphor for me. He said, "You've just gotten out of Newark." You know, it's like so. You know, keep the long view in mind, and I, and so I don't bury the lead on um, this morning. Let me just say, and, and again, Naomi and I sort of fiddled with this idea. Th- these are these are planting seeds. Um, so much of parenting, when it comes to all facets of their existence, but especially their spiritual lives, are planting seeds in faith that we hope and pray that the whole and trust. That the Holy Spirit is going to water so that these seeds will grow in time. Um, and so what my kind of talk today, and, and, and Naomi will sort of chime in on this as she feels led, um, uh, is is to sort of think about what are the conditions of the soil in our family that we want to cultivate so that by God's grace, those seeds will grow. Um, so let, let me, I'll, first thing I want to talk about is the importance of, of being together in church. Now, now this is you know I'm talking to the choir cuz you you are all physically present here this morning, right? So we are there's a sense in which there's there's a shared agreement about the importance of gathering together weekly, but let me kind of just refresh for you and for me why we come together every week. You know, we come together every week in church because Well, several things, but let me just sort of give you a list here because We need our view of reality adjusted every week. Because you think about the way in which we live life, for the most part, Monday to Saturday. We're going through the routine of our existence getting up in the morning, we're you know, yelling at the kids to get out the door and trying to make sure we get them to school on time and then we're navigating our day at work and then we're coming back home and we're helping them with homework and, and then you're you know so we we are living life through the routines that your various family dynamics have have have, um, have ordered and it's very easy for, for yours truly included to view life through that particular lens as if reality is my circumstances right now. And when we come to church together every week and do what we just did, which was I just think so glorious again being able to be together and we, think about what we're doing when we come to church in the shape of our liturgy here. We're we're we're, we're confessing our sins. We're being told that we're forgiven. We're being drawn into the Nicene Creed. I mean, think about what the Nicene Creed, and I have got three kids by me in church saying this Nicene Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, right, right? But as we're doing that together, we're being reoriented toward the real truth of the world. True, the really real is the term that I had written down. I mean, because it's the really real, and that is centered on God, revealed in Jesus, affected by the Holy Spirit in our lives that's what lasts forever and according to colossians 1 and john 1 and hebrews 1 those are the means by which our whole world holds together it's very normal it's very easy for all of us me included to live life as if that's not really real Um, and when we come together in church and we drag our children along who thinks this is kind of boring we've got some who feel that way um, we're prayerful that as they come here, that again, seeds are being planted so that the reality of the world revealed in Jesus would take hold on them again so that we can go back into the world with that fresh on our minds. So, what we do to get, when we come here, is we think in terms of God and creation, redemption, the world. We're prayerful. We hear the word preached. We enjoy the sacrament. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. And then we come together and receive God's blessing, and we go back out into the world again. That shapes us and grounds us to what's um, really real. Um, and what happens in the middle of that, um, and I'm, I'm prayerful about this for myself and for our family and for our kids, our universe and our imaginations, that's what we're prayerful about, that our children's imaginations would get caught um, by the Holy Spirit toward a view of the world that's bigger than the end of their noses, which is really, really hard. We heard Cameron today. I was even thinking about leading into today's talk today talking about Christian Smith and and that moralistic therapeutic deism thing, which I know Cameron uh, sp- speaks a lot about that in, in, the, in the youth culture here at our church. But that's our, that's our kids' religious worldview on autopilot. God wants them to do right things. He's there to be their therapist when, they, when their girlfriend or boyfriend breaks up with them. and uh, But he's not really all that involved in the details of their life. God is a God of the gaps. So I live my normal life. And then when I have a gap that comes that needs some filling, God appears and can, and can close in on that gap. And when they come here and they hear our liturgy, the way in which our worship is ordered and how it moves forward, they are given a completely different narrative about their existence and their role in the world. Their individual stories, our individual stories, get caught up in the larger story of what God is doing in Christ, in his kingdom, in this whole world. And if your kids are anything like my kids, their world kind of centers around themselves. I mean, it's it's kind of remarkable, isn't it? It's like, boy, you don't have to work. I mean, narcissists, I mean, it's like if you're a teenage boy, you are one. Um, you know, it's just, that's, that's, that's autopilot. And here you have um, a, a, a setting within our church and our worship that lets them know the world's much bigger than your own story. In fact, the significance of your own story is the fact that it's caught up into the story of what God is doing in Christ in the whole world. That That's what we're prayerful about when we come here. So that, that's number one, why, why we come to church, to be re- reminded uh, about what's really real. Number two... Um, all of us, as parents seeking to follow Jesus as disciples of Him, um, know even if we don't know how to articulate it, we struggle with this or how to implant it. But we really want our kids to know and to have and to love Jesus. Um, we, for all the boundaries that we set up for them in their lives, we know at the end of the day we can't make that happen. Um, for for them to get Jesus by the Spirit and for it to change their lives is the operative work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, even today, after celebrating the Eucharist, my middle son comes and sits down by me. put my arm around him and the thought that's in my mind is, Holy Spirit, do in this young man's heart and mind what we, we cannot manufacture it. Let let the sacrament that he just took um, take root in his heart and his mind so that he believes that it's true and it's true for him. Because we know that we want our kids, and we know what our kids ultimately need in this world, is the life-giving, saving presence and power of Jesus. So here's the fine print in that. And this is rooted in our theological tradition here at our church. It's a very Protestant thing to say but um god promises now think about this he makes promises that he will deliver by the spirit jesus to us in and i'm stealing here from the presbyterian world through the ordinary means of grace now i want to talk about that for a second because i think all of us here on some level or another will would believe that That God can reveal himself to people in extraordinary ways um, i was I was with a Southern Baptist missionary, so for, I mean for those of you who are kind of, who are my former Southern Baptists in here uh uh-huh. real Christians there you are <laughs> um, um, the, so the Southern Baptists, I mean, you know that there was a kind of movement in the Southern Baptist Convention about twenty years ago, really against kind of charismatic gifts within. Um, you know, missional agencies. So this was a Southern Baptist missionary, head of a mission school, that if I named the seminary, some of you would immediately know it's one of the largest seminaries in the country. We were talking to him as a faculty. He was a missionary for years in the Middle East, kind of in that 1040 window, heavily Muslim Islam population. And I will never forget it. He said, I have not met any convert to Jesus in the strictly Muslim world where a dream about Jesus was not involved. I mean, we're talking like, Jesus appeared to me in my dream last night and talked to me and said da 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 I mean, that, that's extraordinary, right? And we believe that God can do that. We would never limit God's power to bring people to himself through whatever extraordinary means God might do. So we will we leave that to him. But the flip side of that is, God makes promises, however, to deliver himself through very ordinary things. He can do the extraordinary. But we expect him to deliver himself to us through ordinary things. And what are the ordinary things through through the tradition that, that, and it's in the Bible, Jesus says this, that we see God delivering his person to us in? The preaching of the word. The sacraments and praying together. So you think about when we come to hear the word preached, as we heard from Cameron this morning, what a rich sermon. um, When we're involved in our liturgy, which is shaped by the Bible and prayer. One of my colleagues at Beeson years ago said that someone told him, I can't stand that Anglican liturgy. And he he responded to them, and he said, "Well, which part of it don't you like? Is it the Bible part or the praying part? Like which, <laughs> is it, which one?" Um, so it shaped, Bible and prayer, moving us toward the table together, the sacrament, where through the effective power of God's word, God delivers. Are you ready for this? His very person to us. That that God is dispensing His very presence and power to us, His grace to us through these. Ordinary means. So, can I backtrack all of this? The point of all of this is, we want our kids to know Jesus, we want them to love Jesus, but the way in w- and I should say, the way in which they get Jesus or that He makes promises to us is through these ordinary means: the gathered together community of faith, the preaching of the Word, the celebration of the sacrament. Right. So we we, we trust that. Um, number three, and then I'm going to shut up. Yeah, we'll do Yeah, because then we do Q and So, um, what about liturgy? What about what we do when we come together and we worship? Um, Cameron Cole's been very good at this. Um, When Zach was still with us, he was very good at sort of emphasizing this feature of our liturgy, our common life together. Our liturgy, when we come together corporately and we involve our bodies, I'm just going to kind of get a little academic-y here with you. When we involve our bodies, and I'm going to use this term loosely, I hope you don't take it offensively, and the rituals, the rites of what we do together as a church. Think, think about what we just did together. We stand and we sing. We kneel and we pray. We sit back and we hear the word delivered to us. We kneel again and we confess our sins. We stand and we sing. We listen to the word. We go forward to the table together then we come back. All of those bodily actions are shaping us. They're framing the way in which we go about understanding the world. And the reason why this is so important is because there are cultural and secular liturgies that our children are a part of, and we cannot detach them from them. But they are being shaped. I think about this all the time because I can despair over it, if I'm honest. I mean, I, I, can't, I let's just, hey, I'm handing them a cell phone. I mean, when, Ed, when the Ed, new Edward, you Edward Gibbon, the, the Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, when, when Edward Gibbon II writes The Rise and Fall of the American, American Dream, like chapters 20 through 30 are going to be on the cell phone. Sorry, I know I shouldn't say it, but it is. And then the next ones are going to be the 24-hour 24 new, 24 news cycle, but I'll leave that to the side. Um, but we hand them these phones. Uh, they are shaped by these physical devices. We can't escape that um, the liturgies of our of our sports life, the liturgies of our shopping life, the liturgies of, and the list goes on and on, they are being shaped and formed in ways that they know and in ways that they don 't know, just like you and I are being shaped and formed in ways that we know and that we don 't know and so what this what Sunday does together for us and, and again, this is planting the seeds of faith in our children is it puts them in, in a place to have a counter cultural narrative and ritual and rite that's shaping their bodies and the way in which they act, that's moving them toward the truth of the gospel and that the gospel is true and it's true for them, okay? Um, That's that's Sunday. What's the ultimate prayer of all this? The ultimate prayer is that our children and what happens on Sunday becomes a, a sort of microcosm of the way in which they view the whole world. That That's our prayer. Um, That their, I'll speak about one of my sons, that their baseball life is not an end, but it's a means to the end of the true enjoyment of God. Um, That their intellectual and academic lives are great enjoyments and joy. It's kind of funny to say because you know they all hate it, but I'm praying at some point they get intellectually curious for real. And when that happens, right, well, it's not an end unto itself. That's when it becomes an idol and a source of despair, actually. But when it becomes a means to the end of glorifying and enjoying God, that's our prayer. Um, their marriage life, their family life—we're we're planting those seeds so that their desires are properly ordered toward the ultimate good, which is God Himself. That's that's where all this is going, so that they're shaped toward that kind of existence. So, I've talked enough. Now, you can ask Naomi any questions you want, or me. Um, but let's let's turn this into a there's only 10 of you now and we'll, we'll chat. So do yeah, you have any questions or practical things, whatever you want to ask about on this. This is a throw a lot of spaghetti against the wall. Anything you want to talk about? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I heard you say, um, I used to pray for my children to have easy um, whatever XYZ, and now I pray for Lord, whatever use whatever means necessary to bring them to you. I don't, I don't really know if that, but
0: that's, I guess, a I mean, I'll, I shouldn't speak for my wife, Naomi prays about that for the kids all the time.
1: not they, <laughs> they despair and then they'll turn hopefully like that's where and yeah so my, my I tell them all the time really I want I want what's best for you I want you to be happy but my I, I will um, my life would not I would not be considered myself a um, if, if you're not if you have not turned towards the Lord. And you don't look to him for everything. That's that is my goal as a mom. Nothing else really, all of the other stuff can come and go. But that if I can see that in your life, that's what I mean you have a with him. So I mean even now I'm telling William and um, one <laughs> way that can happen is by reading everything. And just encouraging him that is he doing it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know they I tell them, you know, and it sounds, it might sound rote, but that's another ritual. Um, ritual. Yeah. But it, it causes you to, whether or not they internalize it, whether or not we internalize it, having that time forward,
0: is important. We are so inconsistent on that as a family, you know, Very like the sort of worship thing. But we try, you know... We try to pray together and have a psalm or something like that nightly. And they fuss every time. I mean, it's, it's not, and especially one of them who will go unnamed, my eldest. And if their friends are over. I mean, just and we have friends there, they're, they're going to come and join this thing too. And, but, it's a, but I think you're, I mean, and Nam and I talk about this. Okay, I'm, oh shoot, I'm being recorded. I'm going to turn, well, yeah. I'll ask them to edit some of this stuff out. Our, our eldest has a, a young lady in his life. I mean, we've gone from—he showed no interest in this—to so we were in the desert. And I'm like, he's going to go off to college, and his first girlfriend's probably going to be his wife. He's just hardwired that way. We went from the desert to the ocean.
1: <laughs>
0: and I mean, you like—and and I—I've and I, got some parental OCD, so it's like I'm—I mean, like, this is—it's just—it's just been different. And I was mentioning this to one of my colleagues. It sits on what you're talking about. I was mentioning this is one of my colleagues. And I said, man, just sort of thinking through this and kind of you know, helping them establish some good boundaries with open communication and da 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 And he said, you know, Mark, I know that you probably aren't thrilled that this is going on per se, but the nice thing about it happening in your home is twofold. Number one, you're able to kind of talk them through this thing. And, and this sits on your point. And when his heart gets broken he'll be in your house when that happens, and you'll be able to kind of help him. So we we all know that this is the fine print of Christian. You you sign the Christian document, and then the fine print is, and the way in which you come into deeper communion with God and a knowledge of what he's done for you in Jesus is is often when you suffer. Um, None of us want that for our kids. I mean, think about it. We want our kids to be athletically successful and academically successful and socially successful and all those things are important. We we spend a lot of time and effort and money into all three of those things. But at the end of the day, how how are those that trifecta of, you know, parental quote unquote success, how does that sort of is how is that shaped by the gospel (laughs) And, and, and the kingdom? And unfortunately I think and I don't like it, but it's it's the hurt, you know, where they're where they're drawn to him. Um, so I, I think Mary Zoll used to say, so I, I, I don't, I didn't know her, but apparently she used to say something like, you know, I pray all, all of our kids will have to hit rock bottom at some point to draw, to be drawn to the Lord. I, I pray they have a high bottom, you know, and I think that's a, that's a healthy prayer. I think And it happened sooner rather than later. Yeah, right? yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to say anything to that? When we fail? I mean... It's, it's not very often, not just to be honest. <laughs> it's not pretty, but... Um,
1: I think, as anyone, if, if you're asking forgiveness, um, that, that's, that'll instantly soften their heart towards you, if you're asking forgiveness. And I don't think it means give in to what they want. But if you have <coughs> responded or failed in your own personal life and they see it, to ask forgiveness is the key to repent.
0: And then, and yeah. Like- <laughs> I mean Naomi's family is like German and Romanian. My I'm half. My mother was born in Lebanon. We got a lot of passion that runs through our house. Is what I'm trying to say here. You know. So it's it, it's it's not. I wish we were Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know. I, I wish, but we're we're just we run hot a lot. Um, so that 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 means that it's not always pretty. Um, that's that's why I sweat thinking about this kind of setting because I know we are no model. Like I wouldn't want you to kind of come in on a Monday morning and say, I think you know my future aspirations is that we could be <laughs> like the generalists, It just it wouldn't be that way. Um, so we're repenting in front of our kids all the time. It's funny. I, I texted one of my colleagues, one of my closer friends at, at Beeson, and I said, "In um, jest, is it inappropriate to use this?" And it was a bad word with your eldest son when you're upset with them. And um, and he said, "Probably." He said, "I just did it yesterday." <laughs> um, and and another opportunity for us to show repentance and forgiveness. So I I think that kind of honesty and and um, I don't want to—it's a buzzword—transparency, but I think that kind of life lived before them that's authentic, even in its failure. You know, you know, we're not—we're not painting pictures that aren't real. Um, we're not a Facebook family in that regard. So, not—not not every picture is a happy one, um, and I imagine most aren't. And can I share? I was going to
2: share a little something. I've got um,
0: some yeah. older children: yeah. 20,
2: and sixteen. And yeah, I'm trying to be a good example, you know, like have a player time in the morning and show them Mm. my faith by example. But I have found when I have crushed and burned the hardest and I think, oh, I have messed up. The door has opened and they approach me because now I'm approachable. Mm. I'm fallible, you Mm. know, and I I have created a erroneous uh, mishap in front of them and it brings us so much closer. Mm. Yeah, and so that I have seen the good, good in that. That's good. And I don't fear it as I used to. You know, you fear it when they're younger because yeah. you want the, you want to be their best mentor.
0: Right.
2: And in the end, I think of what James Dobson says. You know, we start out as a coach, and at some point between their ages of eight and twelve, they bench us, and we become a cheerleader only. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's good to recognize <laughs> that moment, and then you know, support them when they need it, love them, and take the judgment out so that you're approachable. That's good. I think we have time for one more. Anybody have, one, have another question? Yes. So and've
0: always been a, we got to go to church we've got to be in the church we gotta, so how do y'all handle that? uh that's that's an ongoing challenge that we've had i mean we've in, in a debate we try if we can to work it out for him to go to church at some point in time or to do something but there have been times when we've missed and that that's you know we we, we rest, that that's not a settled thing in our home we wrestle with that um Fortunately, for whatever reason, you know, William happens to be on a summer team that's not very good, which, which means they don't, they don't play on Sunday. So that so, so it hasn't, it hasn't actually, so that, that's been a somewhat of a blessing. Um, yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about the Advent is, you know, you, we have a five o'clock service and there's some, some flexibility with that, um, but uh, it's, it's not an easy thing. Okay, I'm going to pray and let you go. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for these friends who are in here. We're we're all just um, seeking to be faithful, and and I pray that you'll give us the courage to enter into the deep into the pool with our kids. To give us the wisdom of to know when to step in and when to sort of let you do your work. And um, Lord, we we don't have the skills just naturally to pull this thing off. So we all sort of collectively here offer our children to you and. Offer our families to you, our marriages, Lord. These are all your good gifts to us, and I pray that you will shape them for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.